You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a satellite sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Los Angeles. I'm a writer and a producer, a mother of two, and a wife, and I am a dog lover. Liz? (laughs) I'm Liz Dolan, also here in West Hollywood in the studio with Leanne. I am a sometime, one-time, maybe future again uh, corporate executive. I am a podcaster, and I live in Santa Monica, California with my dog, Hooper. Hi, I'm Julie Dolan. I live in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I love dogs. I don't have one right now. (laughs) I'm an empty nester, an urban nana, uh, and I've lived in all parts of the world. Yep. And today we are all book lovers because today is our Satellite Sisters Beach Bag Books special. We have a whole special episode that's going to be books, books, books. We have books to recommend to you. We're excited to talk to a fantastic author, Jenna Blum, about her book, which is our official Satellite Sisters Uh, Summer Read, The Lost Family. And then we're going to, we have a couple of exciting podcasting uh, bits of news. We have podcasting news. (laughs) I got so excited. Related to us, you know. (laughs) Not just podcasts in general. Yeah. I got so excited. I'm buckling up for that. (laughs) I couldn't even remember what we were doing here. Right. That's right. That is exciting. Uh, So we're happy to have you here today for this Satellite Sisters Best Beach Bag Book Special. Okay. We've been putting out this list for quite a while. I mean. A long time. A long time. 15 years. Yeah. And almost every year. Yes. I mean, not. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put it, Leanne. Yeah. Sometimes it just depends on how how much do I really want to read and how much can I do in June? Because in general, I sort of I I, I produce the list. But Liz and Julie, you always contribute. You are readers and you are listeners and you you have recommendations for people. So we call it the best beach bag books list. But I just want to say some of the books on the list are are serious books. Yeah. So they would. You know, maybe not, you don't want to take them to the beach, but say it rains on your summer vacation. Some of these books would be excellent books for that. Good, good point. Lee. Yes. Right. Good for yeah. just long flights. If you're going someplace yeah. far away, these are going to carry you through the airport and the airplane. We have books, distract you. books to listen to, so they'll mm-hmm. be good when you're traveling. We have fiction. We have nonfiction. We have collections of essays. We have all kinds here. So it's not all frothy beach bag books, though we enjoy frothy beach bag books. We so do. I, I'm not above a frothy beach bag book. Let's, but uh, so like, for instance, um, Jenna Blum's The Lost Family, which is our official Satellite Sisters summer read, that is a more serious book. It's mm-hmm. a look at a Holocaust survivor and his integration into America 20 years after the war has ended. It's called The Lost Family because he has lost tremendous amounts during the war. But he has come to New York. He is, you know, reviving his life. Trying to rebuild his entire life. And he just can't really seem to get over, as you wouldn't, that huge trauma that he went through. So what you get in Jenna Bloom's book, The Lost Family, is three decades of, you know, the legacy of the Holocaust. You you see the 60s. I mean, it's a very unusual look at the the legacy of the Holocaust, Leon, don't you think? Yes. I had never, I never even thought about the idea of people who had been in the concentration camps coming to America and trying to integrate. I never mm-hmm. even, that's like not a story I'd ever seen told or even thought about. And, you know, when we were growing up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, didn't World War II seem like 
so far away. Yeah. It wasn't something right. you thought yeah. of people were still living with the repercussions of that. And this book is really right. a family saga. So you see the 60s through the eyes of Peter, the, the Holocaust survivor, the 70s through the eyes of his wife, June, who's his new wife, and the 80s through the eyes of their daughter, Elspeth. So there are a lot of great cultural references. Jenna Blum, the author, is known for her, you know, detail to history and her eye on culture and political movements. And you get all of that in the middle of this really moving family saga. She does that so well. She yeah. really puts you right there in some of those moments. So later on in the show, we're going to be talking to Jenna about her book, The Lost Family. But that's just one of many books we're recommending this summer. So Julie, do you want to kick us off? You want to uh... I'm going to I'm going to kick you off. I'm going to kick it off with both a serious book and one that's more frothy. Um, OK. And my first recommendation that will be on our beach bag book list is a book entitled Beneath a Scarlet Sky. And what I liked about this book is it's based on a true story. Now, it's about the resistance movement in World War Two, which I know I know we've all read multiple books on the resistance movement in World War II. But what's unique about this book is it's the Italian, it's what's, this, this is set in Italy. And it's based on the story of an Italian teenager uh, during the war, you know, and at the beginning of the book, he is just what you would think an Italian teenager is interested in. He's interested in movies and girls and food and then he becomes involved with the Underground Railroad, helping Jewish Italian people make it up over the Alps, the Italian Alps, into Switzerland. And then through a series of things that you'll uh, uncover in the book, he ends up as the driver for the number one general, uh, German general in uh, Italy. And he becomes a double agent. So oh, wow. he's spying for the Allies. And it's all a true story. So it's a wonderful tale. It's got a real hero in it. Um, it's got suspense. It's got, you know, uh, trials and tribulations. There's a romance in it as well, which I find as a bonus uh, as part of it. <laughs> yes. And I understand bing, they're bing, making bing. this yeah. into a movie. So this is going definitely going to be one of those movies where you're going to be so proud to say, well, I read the book and the book <laughs> is better than the movie. So, so. That's my first recommendation, Beneath a Scarlet Sky. Now, my second recommendation is more, I'm just going to call this a quick, quirky tale. And the name of it is Elef Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine. And this is if you are on a train or a plane or a boat and you need just a book to, you know, get you to your journey. Or if you need a book in the middle of the night to read you know nothing too, too heavy something that's a whole nother list the that's best a genre best middle of the <laughs> night books you know what i'm talking about i do women, right? Uh. right so and what i like about this book i mean it's a very quirky tale and it's got a quirky uh, heroine uh, uh, as the center of the book eleanor is she is the hero of her own story. She just thinks she is the greatest thing ever. And that is very compelling and attractive. And she just carries on and persists in her life. So I would, if you want a quirky, 
quick read, uh, I would recommend this book. And this is totally by uh, happenstance. They are also making this into a movie. And it's going to star Reese Witherspoon. Okay. So once again, once again, you better jump on it now. Read the book so you can uh, make that comment that the book is better than the movie. (laughs) Julie, I have to laugh because when you sent me your list, I think it must have auto-corrected to Eleanor Elephant. It's completely... (laughs) (laughs) Also a good title. And I was like, I know Julie knows it's Elephant, so I'm going to chalk this one up to auto-correct. And just a reminder, I should have said this at the top, all these books are at SatelliteSisters.com. Yes, we'll have the complete list. So don't worry, list, Like Mark Sullivan is the author author of Beneath the Scarlet Sky. We'll have all of we'll that on the We'll have all list. of that. Yes. Satellitesisters.com. Yes. That's where you're going to find this. That's mm-hmm. where you're going to find this. Okay, so I I picked a lot of the books on the list, and I won't go through all of them because it, it would take too long, and you can go to Satellitesisters.com. But I wanted to highlight a couple. The first was The Lost Family. That was my pick, and I'm so happy to be talking to Jenna later. And I've noticed that we have a lot of new moms in the sisterhood. That's, we do. Yeah, that seems... In the Satellite yes. Sisters yes. Group. So I wanted to give the new moms a book to read over the summer, and I know you don't have any time to read, so I'm, I'm acutely aware of that. So for the new moms, I picked a collection of essays. Some of these are just, and they're all super funny, and they will be very thoughtful, and I think you'll enjoy them, and they're short. There's like two or three pages. (laughs) So it's not just for new moms because I think old moms will also appreciate (laughs) the writing of Kimberly Harrington. The name of her book is Amateur Hour, Motherhood in Essays and Swear Words. Okay, and that just says it all. So maybe you read one of Kimberly's um, pieces. I think it was posted on our Facebook group. It did go viral uh, from an essay from The New Yorker called I'm the One Who Has It All. Mm -hmm. And it just... Oh, my gosh, it's so funny. It just details, it captures motherhood personally. And one of my favorite lines is, you know, I have all the pizza. I have it all. I, I order pizza every night. I have all the pizza. So <laughs> that just gives you gives you a, a taste of it. But she has been, you know, she's written for McSweeney's and all, and all kinds of other comedy sites. She's a copywriter, and her collection of essays on motherhood is fantastic and funny. That's called Amateur Hour, Motherhood and Essays and Swear Words by Kimberly Harrington. So again, at SatelliteSisters.com. And Liz, you covered audiobooks for us. You know, I love the audiobook. First of all, because my summer vacations are often spent on road trips. You know, I drive up to uh, Oregon and spend time up there. So I like to always have a long, fun, or captivating listen for the drive up. It's 14 hours each way. So I, you know, I enjoy that. And also anytime I'm on a plane, I just, I like having the audiobook going. So I picked two, one of which I have listened to already, and the other one I have not. Uh, so the first one Ooh, is... daring choice there. Yes. <laughs> well, but, but surely there, a theme is developing here in Satellite Sisters. So the first one is a psychological thriller. This is the one I have not heard or read. Um, it's entitled uh, Something in the Water. Have you heard about this one by Catherine Stedman? Yes. And it yes, po- it popped it. up in my recommendations, Julie, because it's recommended by Reese Witherspoon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so she has her own book list at audible.com, yeah. which, by the way, go to audible.com slash sisters. I think our promo code still works and you'll get a free book, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> so something in the water. It starts on a honeymoon in Bora Bora. 
But the mm-hmm. couple find something in the water, and the next thing you know, they're trying to pull off a per- perfect crime. So there you go. Uh-huh. You have the perfect crime. You have the honeymoon in Bora Bora. So it's a romance. It's a crime. I believe there might be a murder in there somewhere. I don't know. The author is Catherine Stedman. Here's another connection to Satellite Sisters. This is her first novel, but she is an actress best known for playing the role of Mabel Lane Fox in season five of Downton Abbey. Oh! So so she is a British actress. And now, so this is her new book, Something in the Water uh, by Catherine Stedman. I'm, I'm slotting this in for my drive up. This okay. seems like a good one. Yeah. Um, because psychological thriller really keeps you going. It does when, keep you going. Yes. You buy like hour... You want to be a little tense behind the wheel. Yeah. That's yes. good. Yeah. It keeps you alert. Exactly, Julie. Yeah. Exactly. Hour nine or ten, you need you need a yes. who done it. You to need to you. really be thinking, oh my yeah. God, I can't believe that just happened. So then the nonfiction I want to recommend, which I have listened to before, but I think it's very timely, is Anthony Bourdain reading Kitchen Confidential. Oh, yeah. If you have oh. never read that book, listening to Anthony Bourdain read it is really great. Even if you have read the book and you're just, you already miss Anthony Bourdain and you just know what sort of like a, a major figure he was on the scene culturally. And it's so sad that, you know, he just would have just turned 62. Uh, anyway, the audio book, which he does himself, is really captivating, interesting. There's so much, as you know, in there that's his personal backstory. It's not just the scoop on what it's like to be in a kitchen. His personal backstory is really quite fascinating. And I was thinking of of it as we were reading Jenna Blum's book, because Peter, the main character in Jenna's book, is a chef. Mm-hmm. And there just is a lot of there are a lot of interesting things and cultural observations you can make from inside a restaurant. Right. And so and that's something that's a space that Anthony Bourdain did really well. So so I recommend that whether you've read the book or not, listening to him do the audio book is something that you might enjoy. See, it's an unexpected list, the Satellite yes. Sisters Best Speech Bad Book list, because Liz said, do you want me to tell you my books? I said, no, no, don't tell me. Yeah. Surprise me on the air. I yeah, like and both those choices. Right? I'm surprised. I'm okay. surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. In The Lost Family, there's some some quirky characters behind the scenes in the restaurant. Yes. And it also, mm-hmm. the restaurant consumes him. Yes. You know, like so, Anthony Bourdain consumes mm-hmm. him and nearly kills him. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. So that's, that's an interesting comparison. All right, so that is just a taste of what is on our Satellite Sisters Best Beach Bag Oh, good segue. Restaurant (laughs) taste. I like that, sisters. (laughs) I didn't even catch that. Okay. Okay. I'm not not the right of a nothing, Joel. Not the right of a nothing. Um, So our complete list is at SatelliteSisters.com. When we return, we're going to be talking to Jenna Blum. She's the author of The Lost Family. So stay with us. Satellite Sisters, and we're so happy to bring to you the author of our Satellite Sisters Summer Read. Jenna Blum is here. Jenna, welcome to Satellite Sisters. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, and thank you for picking The Lost Family for your summer read. I'm so honored. Well, we've already gushed about it. It's a wonderful book. It's super thoughtful. It, you know, made us cry, made us laugh, made us smile. So we have a whole list of questions for you. But I wanted to start with something that jumps out because I was, you know, stalking you on your website and stuff. <laughs> Jenna, you do you do so much speaking. I mean, I read for your first or for your book, Those Who Save Us, you did 800 book clubs. I don't even know how that's physically possible, but I'm wondering how talking to readers informs your writing. 
That's a great question. And I should clarify that I talked to 800 book clubs in the Boston area alone. So who knew there were that many book clubs, that many readers, and that jump-started my speaking across the country and even internationally about my novels. I love connecting with readers, obviously. I mean, my advanced schedule for Lost Family is also similarly busy. But to me, my writing life is a lot like crop rotation. So when I'm working on a book, I spend years in isolation, pretty much wearing the same yoga pants for like three <laughs> years, although I do wash them, um, and playing with imaginary people and really trying to get into the skins of my characters and bring the readers that sort of virtual reality experience. So when I get sprung from my study and I have the opportunity to leap out into the world and connect with real people who by the great osmosis known as reading also know my imaginary people, that to me just feels miraculous. So I am just super grateful that readers want to take time from their very busy lives to A, read books, and B, hear a writer talk about her books. That's really such an honor. Oh, well, that's it's because a lot of writers hate that part of the process. So, but you obviously find it energizing. So I love that about you. That's neat. That's cool. Um, you know, this is your third book about World War II, right? So you wrote Those Who Save Us. You also contributed to Grand Central, which is a collection of, of pieces about World War II. What is it about that period of history that really fascinates you? I think part of it is a DNA thing for me. I inherited the interest in the time period because my dad was Jewish and my mom was part German, and they were both big readers. My dad was a news writer. He wrote for CBS and Walter Cronkite and Dan Rather, so our house was full of books. So at a very early age, I was looking at bookshelves full of things like Fall of the Third Reich, and um, my one of my favorite children's books was When Hitler Stole Pink Rabbit, about <laughs> a book, uh, Experiences of a German-Jewish Refugee Child, mm-hmm. and Diary of Anne Frank, which I read very early and like many Jewish or half Jewish girls identified with very strongly to the point at which I had a hiding space in my attic Mm -hmm. for when the Nazis came to get me at our house in 1970, New Jersey. So I feel a very close kinship to that time period, even though I don't have family members who I know of who perished during the war. And the older I got, the less I could shake this question, which I think is so important today. What makes people so mean to each other? Why do people see other people as other instead of as other people? So I started researching that question for Those Who Save Us, my first novel. I did 10 years worth of research for that book, including interviewing Holocaust survivors for the Steven Spielberg Survivors of the Shoah Foundation. And I still could not answer the question of what makes people so mean to each other and what do we do about that? And so I continue to ask that question using... World War II as this sort of chess set with which I used to explore it. I think, as Elie Wiesel's rabbi said, the important thing is not necessarily to find the answers, but to ask the right questions. Well, the main character of The Lost Family is inspired by one of those interviews, I understand, that you did for the Shoah Foundation. Can you tell me about that interview and why that story just stuck with you for years? Because you did the interview a while ago, but now you're, this new book is about this main character, Peter. I would be happy to. Thank you. It was such a great privilege, just an ineffably great privilege for me to be able to interview Holocaust survivors and all of their testimonies, which are also recorded and archived, are engraved upon me. I have not forgotten a single survivor. Yet there was this one 
almost a sidebar to a survivor story that really stuck with me, as you said. The gentleman I interviewed had been a chef in his native country, like my character Peter, had survived several camps, including Theresienstadt and Auschwitz, emigrated to the States, and then was fired from his job as a busboy because his Auschwitz tattoo upset the prosperous American diners. Mm. And that story really stuck with me because of the irony, I thought, of thinking that you had reached a safe place after enduring the unimaginable, and then finding yourself still imprisoned by not being able to convey to anyone around you what you had lost and the magnitude of that loss and how do you start over again. So Peter's story in The Lost Family explores that next chapter of the survivor's life, which we don't often hear about, the refugee experience, the emigration experience, the assimilation experience, and whether that's ever truly 100% possible. I feel like I've almost never heard that story. I agree. I yeah. mean, Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would I, I you like did. to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah. Any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already framebridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the framebridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift-giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, rate or gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds you like- you're going to be happy, okay? Yeah. And that's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. Hey, it's Liz and Leon here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm -hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz, my hair from Pros is getting <laughs> rave reviews. Leon, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. 
from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Lee and Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay. And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you, it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. That's what struck me within the very first pages of The Lost Family was like, this is a completely new way to tell this story. Your book opens in the 60s. We meet Peter. He has a successful restaurant in New York City, but he's obviously never shaken the family he's lost two decades earlier. Have you heard from other survivors or family members who have read your book, The Lost Family, and said, oh, my gosh, that's my story? Well, the book is only about two weeks old. It's still in its okay. infancy, so I'm, okay. just now starting, <laughs> I'm just now starting to get the wondrous reader email when people have read and digested the novel and said, oh, this reminds me of, of my grandparents, or this reminds me of this cousin who came to live in our house from you know the old country, and I never knew why he was there and why he was so locked down. Um, but I, I am so hoping to get more of those and that the book resonates with readers. I really have goosebumps, literally, from the way you described the novel, saying that you haven't heard of anything like it before, because I very much don't want to reheat my leftovers for my readers. It's important <laughs> to me you know, talking about World talking about the Holocaust. We live in a time where people have told me to my face that the Holocaust never happened, which is something I never, ever thought I would see or hear. So I do want to keep telling that story, but it was important to me to do it from a new angle. And when I was conducting the interviews, a lot of our focus was on what survivors endured during the war and what their lives were like before the war, because those lives had been erased. The Nazis expunged them. But I thought that we gave much less emphasis to the refugee chapter. And so I really wanted to explore how difficult that must be for somebody who comes to a new country, not knowing the language, having lost everyone he loves, and is still a very young man and has just been so irreparably scarred. And I also wanted to know what that was like for his family who loves him and cannot reach him. Well, what you've done is really just place the reader in right in the middle of the 60s. So, yeah, it's not a, it's not a book about the, the Holocaust. It's a book about the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. You have three characters. You divvy them up amongst the decades, and you just do a fantastic job, like, 
putting us right there in the 60s, putting us right there in the 70s with June, his wife, and then in the 80s with Elsbeth, his daughter. Julie, you were saying you love the sense of time in this book. I know, I did. I think in that opening scene when Walter Cronkite comes into the restaurant, <laughs> I was like, Walter Cronkite? <laughs> I mean, it, you. but I, now I know that you actually probably knew what those steely blue eyes looked like in person, right? <laughs> I did, and yes, I, I gave a hat tip to Walter in the first pages of The Last Family because he was a part of my family background. And as a child, I didn't know how totally extraordinary this was. So um, my dad used to, as I said, write for Walter Cronkite. And then sometimes after work, if Walter's wife Betty was out of town and he was not dining with her, they had this wonderfully close happy marriage, Walter would go to PJ Clark's with my dad and have hamburgers. And my dad was always struck by the fact that Walter... um, would say one of the perks of being a bachelor is you don't have to have any vegetables with your hamburger. So in the (laughs) menu, I invented uh, for the Lost Family and for Peter's Restaurant Masha's, I included hamburger Walter with no vegetables at all. But my favorite family story about this is that my dad used to take me to the newsroom occasionally and show me off as proud dads did. And I had this beloved stuffed animal named Henry that I received at birth and never, ever let go of, except one day I let go of him in the CBS newsroom and Henry was lost. And I was inconsolable. And I remember being in our kitchen in New Jersey and the back door opening and Walter Cronkite came in with Henry and Henry was wearing a little paper hat that said CBS on it. And focus was oh my gosh, my Henry is back. And I could not understand why my mom was having a major panic freak out about what to serve for dinner. I was like, what? This nice man bought back my Henry. So uh, so proud to say that that Mr. Cronkite was a great friend to our family and I was delighted to give him a hat tip in the novel and to try and recreate those decades as faithfully as possible. Yeah, the, it's. did you have fun doing that research or is it one of those things where you could research forever and then you're like, I have to cut myself off and start writing the book? Because you nailed the 60s, then again in the 70s, you place us sort of right in the middle of the women's lib movement, and we have like a bored housewife, and right. and, and then in the 80s, we have kind of New York and this artsy decade, but, you know, the fight between what's appropriate art and what's inappropriate, and the NEA is in there. Is that, do you have to cut yourself off from researching? I do have to cut myself off from researching. And yes, I love it. So the short answer to the question is yes, um, but I'm not capable of giving a short answer. So the story behind my research um, is one of my readers called what I do method research. So for my first book, for instance, Those Who Save Us, since half the book is set in a German bakery, I actually baked everything that appears in the novel. Um, And I dress like my characters sometimes when I'm writing their sections, although only in the house. (laughs) Did you have some of June's miniskirts on? You know, people are like, did you have, you know, June's, I would like to wear June's outfit. June is a supermodel. And when she becomes a board housewife in the 70s, she mostly wears tennis clothes. Because that's, you know, basically what she's allowed to do. Peter, her husband, doesn't want her to work. Um, I did not have the tennis socks with the little balls on them, although I was tempted to buy them online, of course. And there's a lot of like buying that goes on with, <laughs> with my research. Um, but I did have mini dresses that I would wear when I was writing June's section. And I had a sort of writing outfit that consisted of bell bottoms, clogs, and a t-shirt that said feminist and a bandana. And oh, was, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, Jenna. Okay. Very I'm nice. really feeling the consciousness <laughs> raising. Yeah. I loved the descriptions of the consciousness raising. Let the sunshine in, Jenna. Yeah. That's what I say. 
Exactly. And I had my whole study wallpapered with images from each era mm-hmm. as I was writing that era. So for Peter's 1965, I had 1965 restaurant images, food images, which were sort of frightening because everything was brown and saturated in whiskey and like made from jello molds. <laughs> um, and um, images from the blackout that starts the lost family. Yes, right. Or um, and advertisements. Then I did the same thing for June and Elspeth. So when I was done with one era, I would take all the images down and then put up new images. I mean, it's a delightful way to procrastinate, but I also <laughs> it helped inform some of the detail that I hope saturates the book and helps bring readers into those eras. Oh, I loved when they were popping open their frosty cold tabs, Jenna, <laughs> because, you know, we're, we were alive in the 70s. We were sucking down some tabs. A lot of tabs, as I remember. in our house. We didn't care no, what happened to the rats. We were drinking the tab. <laughs> That's right. I am really surprised that I don't have four eyes in my head because so much tab. And when I was a teenager, like Elspeth, they used to smoke Capri cigarettes. Yeah. All right. Which were very big in the eighties and then parliament lights. And so the seventies and the eighties, I also was alive and I could rely half on, you know, family myth, legend research. When I was writing June section, I remembered my mom's stories about feminism in New York and consciousness raising. I reread fear of flying, which was delightful and everything that was on the bestseller lists in those years. Um, but then I also managed to find some tab and order it online, of course. Um, <laughs> there, and the did not do was go back to smoking. I won't ever tell you. I did quit. So Yeah, there are some of the references that literally made me laugh out loud. I don't know when I read Gimbals. Like, that is just a <laughs> yes. name, a department store I hadn't thought of in a 100 years. So I'm like, Gimbals. Oh, my gosh. Or Charlie, the perfume. Like, you could still see um, the ads. But, but you know... Just- Miss it. Don't you just miss Bamberger's? I mean, I used to shop at Gimbel's when I was like seven. It was very exciting. All those those family-owned department stores are almost a thing of the past, so I love nodding to things that are gone. Yeah, yeah, we grew up right outside of New York City, and that was back in the day when Gimbel's would have the big full-page ads in the newspapers, you know, before all of that went away. So all of those references were super familiar. But Yes, girl, I feel you. That's nice, because I grew up in New Jersey, so all of that, the New Jersey and New York and Westchester areas are airlifted directly from my experience. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who... Bring a touch of something special to your life. Aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) In their skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the mega moisture duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer and it just delivers <laughs> this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. Your youthful yeah. glow is going to happen. <laughs> and it's so infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? 
I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself <laughs> because you're worth it. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win, win, win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at oseamalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. Liz, summer is coming up and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what, uh, what, what I'm recommending. By yeah, <laughs> the way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. Butcher box gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass fed beef, free range organic chicken pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. But ultimately books are about characters and you've created really memorable Peter, June, his wife that he marries here in America and then Elsbeth, their daughter. They're very memorable characters, but there is a sadness amongst them. We were talking about the book yesterday in our pre-production call Julie's like, it's kind of a sad book, right? But it is. There's some hope at the end. But this is a tough story to tell for you, isn't it? In a way, it should be a tough story. But for me, writing is like an exorcism because I carry the characters around in my head. They're very persistent, like Elizabeth Warren. They're like there (laughs) Uh, until I download their stories onto paper. And so having these people walk around in my head who have these sort of heavy yet important tales to tell, it's a relief for me to set them down and share them with readers so that other people know them too. I agree. My None of my books is an especially light book. Um, and I write mostly about people who have survived traumas that have rearranged their lives drastically and then how they try to find the fortitude to rebuild their lives in the aftermath of those traumas. And for some reason, that's 
and my therapist could probably tell you much better than I could. It's a theme that I'm drawn to over and over again. And hopefully I'm, I'm telling the story in new ways from different angles. But um, that's definitely what this story was. All of the characters, Peter, June, and Elspeth, this poor American family, is haunted by Peter's early trauma during the war, a whole continent and an ocean away. So that's what I was looking at with this book. It's interesting you mentioned your therapist because I noticed that theme in the book. In the 60s, you just talk about going to the analyst. In the 70s, like one member of the family is going to an analyst. And by the 80s, all of them are going to a therapist. So I know that's... Cape therapy. It's going to get you at some point. You might as well just give in. Um. I know we, we need to let you go here, but Jenna, it's been great to talk to you. But I was interested, I read a Q&A with you. So let's talk about what's next for you. Because I read a Q&A with you from a British magazine. And here's a quote. It said, I was married at 23 to a British man I met at Covent Gardens during my junior study abroad. We lived in London and I loved it. The marriage didn't work because he wanted a young family and I wanted to write books. But it was a lovely time and I wish him well. Okay, when does that become a book, Jenna? <laughs> when is that story going to get written? Well, maybe you just gave me the idea for my fifth book, like the next book that I'm going to write, my fourth book, which I'm excited to start once my public speaking schedule um, calms down a little bit, is also a Peter book. He's not really done with oh, me yet. Okay. Oh, wow. So the novel is, I'm, I'm so happy to hear noises of approbation about that. Thank you. It's so encouraging. Yeah. But the next novel is both a prequel equal to The Lost Family. So if readers are enjoying this book, then um, they will like that. But I, I have to admit, I did give a little hat tip wink to my young marriage um, in my second book, The Storm Chasers. And you're right, it might make a really good novel. And it would be great for me to reconnect with my ex-husband because he was a lovely guy and he's not even on Facebook. I mean, oh, I saw him wow. I wish him well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And now I'm excited for book four and book five. Because I, I just a movie. That's yeah. Under, that would make a good movie. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And I would love, by the way, speaking of movies, of course, everybody's like, would you like your books to be movies? And I'm like, why is that even a question? Of course I would. <laughs> um, but I love to play the casting game for the characters. So if readers want to find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my website, which is jennablum.com. Send me your casting suggestions for The Lost Family, and I will pass them on to my agent and my publisher because we're always actively looking to make my novels into movies. So any anybody that. you think would be a good match for these guys, send them on in. I love to play that game. All right, I'm just going to say John Hamm for Peter. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, did you – because I, I did say that maybe somewhere in the online universe. Oh. John Hamm. Blonde hair is like my ideal for for Peter. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. No, I didn't see that. I just thought like as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, John Hamm, because he's supposed to be super handsome and yes. just but kind of tortured. But also and, can do the tortured breathing yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't I like know. It. Okay. Now, honestly, if that happens, we're all going to the set and we're all going to hang out with John. Totally good. We're <laughs> okay, on board we're with in. That. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Bring the tab. <laughs> Drinking tab and smoking. Exactly. I want to mention to the Satellite Sisterhood because we have Satellite Sisters everywhere, Jenna, and you are going everywhere this summer. You're going to be on Cape Cod, so we have people there. Minnesota, we have people there. Wisconsin, we have people there. Chicago. Jenna is out and about all summer long and lots of opportunities in the Boston area where you live. So you can go to JennaBlum.com to see her tour schedule, but you're touring all through August, basically, all summer, right? I 
touring. I am trying to be ubiquitous. I will tour forever like cats. So basically, <laughs> I am touring in, the, in August. And, um, and I come home to Boston in September to teach. But that's only the start of my travel schedule for this novel. I'm already adding events in New Hampshire and Vermont and um, more events in Chicago, Dallas, Houston, Georgia, and Atlanta. So if you guys want to come to an event near you, please keep checking my website, which is, again, jennablum.com and slash events, and you can see what crazy place I'm going to next. Hopefully it's right next to your house. <laughs> Jenna, th- thank you so much for being on Satellite Sisters. Thank you for writing this beautiful book. We really enjoyed it. It made us laugh and cry and think. The Lost Family by Jenna Blum, our Satellite Sisters summer read. Have a fantastic summer, Jenna. Oh, my gosh, you guys, too, and lots of happy reading. This was a joy. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Jenna. Thanks, Jenna. You're welcome. Okay, we are back. And remember, everything, all of our sponsors and the codes you need, but also everything we're talking about today, all of the books we're recommending, the authors, some links to where you can read about those books, everything is always at SatelliteSisters.com. So when we, when we complete the show notes, we always distribute those into the Facebook group and into our Twitter feed. Uh, but if you forget or you haven't seen it come by, just go to SatelliteSisters.com and the show notes are there. So here's one of our big announcements. We are doing an Ask Us Anything show in August, right? Julie, you excited about that? I, I, I'm nervous, Liz. I'm nervous, <laughs> but excited. Yes. Leanne, you psyched? Yeah, I'm psyched. Yes. It's a podcast. It's, it's not in person. So let me be clear about that. <laughs> oh, that's true. Because uh, yes. we did the Santa Monica one in person. Yes, that's true. So this is the episode we are going to post in August, but we are going to record that episode on July 16th. So here's what you... Here's what you need to do. If you have a question for our Ask Us Anything show, we will have a thread on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. So you will see that when you go there. And if you don't see it, just on the search box on the side, just put in Ask Us Anything and that thread will pop right up and you can post your questions there. Now, obviously, we've only got an hour, people. So we may not get to everyone's (laughs) questions, uh, but we always have fun doing this. We we like to hear what you want to know. Um, you know, if there are things that are outside of our realm of comfort, well, we just won't be answering those. Yes. But most of the time, you know, we really enjoy We're digging We're going to spill the beans. And I'm happy <laughs> to tell you anything about Leanne and Liz. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's the way it works. Oh, I see. I see. So remember, we're recording this on July 16th. So you're hearing this now. You can go to the Satellite Sisters Facebook group right now and find the Ask Us Anything thread. And in that thread, post your question and uh we can't wait it's gonna be it's gonna be fun the uh, like last time yeah people are you have some fun things you want to know and we might have a few surprises sometimes the questions take us down a path that we have never shared on the podcast <laughs> right leanne yes it's, that's true yeah yeah yes i would yeah. agree to that because we don't often you know, like on this podcast we've kind of gone out of our way over the years we don't really talk about our past you know we don't talk about our childhood or we don't talk behind people's backs but maybe in the ask us anything <laughs> seems seems like it's time yeah yeah okay <laughs> okay so that's one thing we wanted to mention related to podcasts and satellite sisters and then the other thing i want to announce you know i do do another show I do a show called Safe for Work, which is a workplace and career advice show. 
So it's it's excellent, Liz. Thank I, you, Julie. I know I'm your sister, but it is an excellent show. Yeah. Even if you don't have a workplace to go to or a career, you would enjoy <laughs> the show. It's very uplifting, I find. Well, yes. I mean, we we try to really give people meaningful advice about work-life balance and all of the things you think about. And I like to tell people, Safe for Work is not a business show. It's a, like career, work, and identity show. And I think everyone is always wrestling with the issues related to that. So here's the big announcement. We have a brand new co-host. So me, I'm staying on the show. I'm yeah. still me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when you tune in starting July 16th, my new co-host is Rico Galliano. And that is a name that you may know. He was the host of the very popular public radio show and podcast called Dinner Party Download, which mm -hmm. I know you guys have listened to. Yes. Fun. I enjoy smart. that a lot. He's just a really, really interesting, fun guy to talk to. So uh, and before that, he was a correspondent on Marketplace. So, you know, he's kind of interested in workplace issues, as I am. And he joins the show in the middle of July. So uh, Rico Galliano, I'm very happy to welcome him to Safe for Work in your Satellite Sisters feed coming up soon. You might even get a new trailer for the new version of Safe for Work. So if that pops up in your feed and someday or week soon, I don't know when you're actually listening to this, so it's hard for me to say <laughs> exactly when you're going to see it. Uh, but anyway, I will, I will put the trailer into the Satellite Sisters feed. So I wanted to welcome Rico and encourage anyone in the Satellite Sisterhood, if you haven't tried that show or if you tried it before and want to like give it another go, middle of July, all new. Please join us. Fantastic, Liz. That's great news. That'll be fun. Yeah, Remember when fun. we met Rico at that podcast thing? We did. We were the at the Stitcher Awards. Awards. Yeah. Yeah, Awards. we were at the Stitcher Awards. And so nice. He yeah. and his partner on Dinner Party Download, Brendan Francis Noonan. So Rico was always the one in L.A. and Brendan was the one in Brooklyn. And yeah, so Rico's in L.A. So right where you're sitting, Leanne? That's where Rico sits on. Uh-huh. I do this show with you on Tuesday and I do Safer Work with Rico on Thursday. So yeah. Fantastic. Podcasting. All right. That's exciting. Okay. Ask us anything and then safe for work. Put those. Uh, go ahead and subscribe. Subscribe. Yes, if you haven't please. Subscri subscribed yet to Satellite Sisters or Safe for Work, subscribe. Yeah. Leave a review. Yeah. And, nice. you know, we don't mention the leave a review thing very often that. because, you know, I think it's because we've been doing our podcast for so long. We feel like we just we must have said that a lot in years past. Yeah. It, I know we have a lot of new listeners. So, yeah, it is really helpful to us if you just give us five stars and want to call it a day. That's good. <laughs> or, or if you have specific things you want to say about our show and your review, go for it. Even more important, though, for the kind of show that we do is tell your own satellite sisters. Right. You know, word of mouth is the way to go. Sisters I would, and sisters. I would say that, too, about our book list. You know, yes. we get asked all the time about book lists. We actually do a lot of work to put the book list together. We read the books. <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah. So if you want to share that book list, that would be fantastic with your satellite sisters or with your reading group or just on your own Facebook page. People are always looking for book recommendations. And we try really hard to put some interesting books on that list that you might not see on other lists. So yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Good, good reminder, Liz. All right, we have to wrap for today. Uh, the to-do list is just simply start reading and listening. There you go. Start reading, people. Start reading. We would like to thank Sergio Enriquez, our engineer here at the Wondery Studios on Sunsets. And we'd like to thank our sponsors, The New Yorker, Rothy's, Away, and ZipRecruiter. Thanks for supporting Satellite Sisters. All right, sisters, have a fantastic day. Yeah, yeah. You, you too, Leanne. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters.